0: The Provoke Podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to the Provoke podcast. I'm Maya Pavinska-Sims, the mere editor of Provoke and I'm joined in London or thereabouts today by Katie Decoza, head of enterprise technology at B2B specialist CC group, one of our technology agency of the year finalists this year and uh, we're going to be talking about mental health in the PR industry, particularly through lockdown and with everything we've got going on in the world at the moment. Katie, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you, Maya. It's fantastic to be here.
1: It's lovely to have you here even remotely we'll have to make sure we can do this in person at some point in the in the not too distant. Now I haven't haven't randomly picked on CC group to talk about this or just because your boss Rich Fogg is a really good bloke. Um, As an agency you've been on something of a journey over the past year to 18 months with regards to your approach to mental health haven't you?
0: That's right, yeah. So it was about 18 months ago um, that as part of a mission to attract and retain the best talent in the industry, we embarked on a journey to put mental health on a level playing field with physical health. So our aim was very much to normalise the conversation around mental health and make CC Group a a safe space where everybody could bring themselves, their whole selves to work. Um, So what did we do? I guess our first step was was training up some mental health first aiders Um, and what that allowed us to do was better understand mental health and how everybody has it, sits on a continuum and how it affects our working lives. Um, And then really, really importantly, how to spot the signs um, and symptoms uh, of those around us that might be suffering and support those people, listen to them and, and signpost help as well. Um, after that, one of the first things we did, which I have to say was, was incredibly effective, was run a session on breaking down stigmas around mental health, where the aim really was to, I'd say, get comfortable with the uncomfortable, mm. um, so open up about some experiences, dig into um, the negative language which is used in our everyday lives, and often in our everyday working lives, and is unhelpfully exclusive. Um, this session was incredibly powerful um, it kind of got people comfortable immediately it was very raw it was emotional I'd say mm. um, and I recall closing that session uh, with a with a slide which showed an advert from a mental health charity and it said imagine if you got blamed for having cancer and there was just this sort of real aha moment for everyone in the room where you know we kind of really kind of dug into you know the role that stigma phase in in kind of stopping people uh, talking about mm-hmm. mental health, so that was very, very important as a kind of opening exercise um, and actually later we we staged another panel session, and this time it was around living with mental health, mental illness, so we invited role models from inside the organization and outside. Um, to talk about their own experiences and the challenges that they've been through and you know for for kind of living with with varying um, mental illnesses.
1: What what kind of subjects came up there? What kind of areas of mental health? It's such a broad spectrum isn't it?
0: Absolutely. I mean we had had somebody living with anorexia Um, and I think typically people don't necessarily consider an eating disorder, a mental illness um, so I think just just kind of opening up the conversation around that was incredibly helpful. And you know, we talked there about breaking down stigmas and unhelpful use of language. I think you know the way in which we can talk around food in the office when we're eating lunch together, conversations that we have, it can be really unhelpful. And um, I think just kind of bringing somebody in that that lives with this, who can who can kind of openly talk about the challenges that she faces just just helped everybody else kind of think about how they will move forward. Um, somebody else who uh, lives with depression, um, somebody who lives with generalised anxiety disorder. So, yeah, I mean, it was, it was very, very powerful. Um, and, you know, it, it felt that, what, I think what happens is when you start having those kind of conversations in the workplace is that people realise that it's OK not to be OK, mm. especially when they're, they're listening to senior communications people brutally honest about their own experiences and they look at them and think they're hugely successful in their fields. they're doing great so therefore that gives me permission that gives me permission to talk and that really was the aim with with uh, you know the activities that we've done so far and it's it's worked I mean it's it's obviously a journey it's not um, something you can fix overnight but what I would say is that we we've seen the team be much more open and you know they would. Informers, if they were going into a counselling session in the same way that they would do you know they would do that if they were going into a doctor's appointment or a dentist appointment so i think that's that's a good thing that's amazing how do
1: you how do you measure how far you've come from the start of having those very raw and honest and human conversations
0: yeah i mean we we put a focus within our staff satisfaction surveys which we run um, every six months um, and mental health is very much at the core. So we we will rate ourselves in terms of how comfortable people feel talking about the topic. Um, we are looking at other measures around um, absenteeism, and sickness, um, because obviously, you know, mental health plays a, a big part in, you know, kind of links into development of our people and the success of productivity levels, for example. So, yeah, we're looking at kind of new ways in which we can we can measure.
1: And you're, I mean, obviously, you're not alone. Mental health has been on the agenda for the wider PR and comms industry for for a little while now. The the stats aren't looking great, are they? I mean, from both the PRCA and CIPR studies on on mental health, it, it feels like it's um, it's a it's a much uh, it's a much broader challenge in the industry than it is in wider society I seem to recall from the last figures we looked at there's something particularly about the the nature of this business that is um that is not conducive necessarily to to mental well-being.
0: I think you're absolutely right and I've I've thought about this sort of long and often and I, I often think about the fact that we sell we sell our time and in the same way that the legal profession sell their time, I think there are, there are similar kind of issues. In fact, when, when we went with a, a couple of people to do our mental health first aid training, we did it among um, a group of lawyers. We were kind of two out of, of 12. And these are sort of regular sessions that are run within a, a legal office. So I think, you know, there's something about kind of selling your time and the stress level that that brings um, for a sector. Um, but you're right it's it's not good and it's something that we all need to be addressing and I'm I'm pleased to see you know mental health kind of move further further up the agenda which you know it, it, it's this is kind of felt like it's been coming for a couple of years now but obviously with the pandemic happening that's just put a huge kind of spotlight and towards it.
1: Well yes absolutely when now I mean those those stats are not great in in normal in inverted commas times and now we're in a position where uh, on on top of that we're very much in abnormal times um from from your experience talking to colleagues and friends how, how do you think people in PR are coping with the additional strains of COVID-19 from personal and professional challenges of lockdown pressure on leaders of keeping team morale up and actually just keeping businesses viable throughout all of this um Uh, we were speaking before Mm -hmm. I tweeted something about feeling like we're all swimming through treacle the other day and and it seemed to resonate with quite a lot of the industry and it's like it's not, when we're not in ordinary times at the moment, are we? And that's going to be having an effect on everyone's mental health, I guess.
0: Absolutely. And I think so, it's been challenging from the start, right? So everybody's experiences are unique. Um, so whether that's somebody who is suddenly juggling homeschooling with work, mm. um, or whether that's somebody that's working at a makeshift desk in a house share with four other people, um, you know the challenges are different. But across the board, anxiety levels feel like they've been heightened. Mm. Um, but there is something I've noticed in recent weeks, and and you know I saw you tweet that, and it really resonated with me too. And it's kind of within within our own workplace, within the industry, and outside of it as well. Um, but at the beginning of the pandemic, work almost felt akin to a crisis situation. Yeah, Norm- Normality got suspended. It was all hands on deck. You know, we shifted our communication styles. It was, uh, you know, meetings were shorter, but they were more frequent. And we all pulled together and made things work. And the socials were coming in thick and fast. Um, But I feel like something shifted a few weeks back. It's almost like those benefits that we felt at the beginning are dwindling. Like working from home definitely feels like less of a novelty. Mm. Um, But what I would say is this is a really crucial moment for for our mental fitness as we go into this new normal, whatever that may be. like, despite the challenges we're going through as businesses and as an industry, we cannot take our feet off the gas because if we do, then we risk people becoming disengaged. That means lower performance, lack of motivation, and ultimately absenteeism. So, beyond well-being, um, we really need to be focusing on the development of our staff now. now. I'm seeing some businesses, you know, double down on kind of COVID recovery. It's, we have to focus on our people. It's mm-hmm. just it's absolutely crucial at this time yeah
1: the adrenaline's well and truly worn off now it? that's it <laughs> yeah absolutely well are we, th- are we 13 weeks into lockdown I feel like I'm just losing my mind completely but anyway yeah. we're, we're all in it and going back to CC Group's experience what, what would be your advice to agencies or even individuals working for agencies that haven't quite got the, a handle on mental health and it's not really on the agenda but want to start talking about it maybe particularly now and i'm also thinking about not just the pandemic situation but having inclusion um front of mind at the moment Mm
0: -hmm. absolutely sure i mean so when trying to support create a culture that supports mental health and inclusion it's really important to make it a boardroom issue so it absolutely needs support from the top down and leadership should be um, on board so this is really interesting, and I think this potentially sh- would have been more of a focus had we been speaking more than two weeks ago. But what I would say is it's not just a moral issue, um, but it's an economic one. We know that poor mental health leads to a lack of productivity, mm. which in turn leads to reduced revenues, right? So stature, sickness, performance can be lacking. And we know that companies who have wellbeing strategies in place out- outperform those who don't by 10%. Um, so for those, you know, for those organisations that are thinking of embarking, um, you know, on a, on a kind of more stringent well-being culture, as it were, it's really important to, I'd say, recruit mental health first aiders. Um, and when you're recruiting those mental health first aiders, make them as diverse as possible. So I'm talking race, gender, sexuality, position in the workplace. Your approach to mental health has to be inclusive. So representation is really, really important. Mm. Um, finding those mental health role models can really help, and we talked about that. But just going back to kind of this topic of inclusion, which is front and centre as it should be, you know, we know that black and brown communities are disproportionately affected by anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, and we know that this is the same for LGBTQ communities. So what we need to be doing is creating a culture which welcomes all talent through the door, despite their race, gender or sexuality. Um, and not only are we inviting those people in, but we're making sure that our development process processes are pushing everyone up through the ranks um, when it comes to promotion. I think, you know, we, over the past two weeks, um, you know, there, there's been a, a, a big spotlight on this and mm. it, it just has to happen now.
1: Um, yeah, absolutely. It feels like it's, it's come to the fore and, and very much not before time. But how do we... How do you make sure, in a similar vein to the, the soul searching we're seeing on diversity, and inclusion in the industry, that, that mental health um, uh, and well-being in, in the workplace is, is about action rather than policy? And it's actually, you know, it's not just virtue signaling that we care about, you know, you being OK. It's actually translated into, into kind of hard action and, and real initiatives within the
0: business. yeah so I think the first thing we've got to do as an industry is turn the mirror on ourselves so firstly kind of just look at it and acknowledge that the white people um predominantly men but overwhelmingly white um who are leading this industry did not get into these positions because they worked really hard and I mean that in the nicest possible way but this is not a meritocracy um, in the past two weeks, you know, the industry has admitted to being racist and, and I believe that now it's time for every business that works within this industry to really look at itself, take a good look at itself and start by acknowledging and accepting our white privilege and how we're complicit in a racist system. Um, because for a culture to be truly inclusive, it has to break down its exclusive systems so these biases are inherent in us, right? We're conditioned to believe stereotypes in being children. You know, whether that's, you know, the man is, the, is, the, is in a position of power, a woman is in a d- domestic role, black and brown people are in service roles. You know, these are, we're literally bombarded with images from, from a very, very young age. So those biases are inherent in us and we're conditioned to believe them. So therefore, they're subsequently inherent in the businesses that we work in. There are biases in our hiring systems, our performance reviews, our social events. Um, there are microaggressions that happen in daily conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, again, a few weeks ago, people would have talked about racism as something which was overt. So offensive language, segregation, but there is covert racism. And that's, you know, this is the issue when people talk about structural, structural racism. It's, insid- it's insidious. It's a disease. Mm-hmm. And as an industry, you know, I'm I'm pleased to see a reaction. I'm pleased to see people come out in support. But now it's about doing the work and keeping it going. Being anti-racist is not a tick box exercise. It's a daily thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a there's a huge amount to do there. I mean, just sort of outside of the the comms industry. I don't know if you saw, but Alexis Ohanian, who was Reddit founder and former CEO gave 1 million to an organization called Know Your Rights, which empowers black and brown communities. But the really important thing that he did was give up his board seat for a person of colour. Wow. And that is so powerful. That is using your privilege as a tool. And that's what we mean by action. Yeah, absolutely.
1: But that's—I mean—that's a—that's at CEO level, right? And you've said it's important for that. There's really senior board level buy-in for for um, for initiatives uh, around mental health and wellbeing. Do you think that not just seeing it, do leaders have to feel it? Do you think they have to have experienced their own mental health challenges or acknowledge that they've experienced that to really get this and embrace it? Is it something you can really put a focus on if it's outside your own experience?
0: Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I think it certainly helps, but I don't think it's critical. Um, so I, I think where there aren't direct experiences, just emotional intelligence is, is really important. That skill of empathy can put you in a place where you understand at the very least. I mean, we've, we've been talking um, about emotional intelligence in the boardroom for a while now. And I think actually the pandemic, the topic of mental health, Lives Matter I think you know this has all kind of really pushed that emotional intelligence to the to the fore mm. um because that need to be self-aware and self-reflective is is really really important yeah. so now I don't think you you absolutely have to have experienced it it can help for sure but yeah emotional intelligence is is really key
1: do you think there's a Um, a generational gap between you know the the old school approach maybe particularly in this country between kind of toughening up and being resilient and you know keep calm and carry on and just crack on with the work Um, which is kind of where my, my I mean I'm 47 this year and that's kind of my age and up that's what we were brought up with you just kind of get on with it no matter what you're going through and of course younger team members are tend to be more open, feel less stigma, as you were saying initially about talking to mental health, it start, those conversations are starting to feel more natural. Um, do they expect to work for businesses who allow them to bring their whole self to work, even the, even the anxious bits? And do you think that's a factor here in, in, in how progressive uh, agencies are getting around mental health?
0: It's such an interesting question. And I think, you know, maybe there is in the main, it's probably a bit of a sweeping generalisation because I can think of examples I can think of young people in my circle, and I would say especially men, who really feel that stigma of manning up. Mm. You know that term, which is so destructive, um, and we should never, never use. You know, whether we're parenting or have a duty of care over our staff. Absolutely. But like not being able to naturally open up about their feelings. Like I I do hope that's on its way out, but I think there's still a long way to go. Mm. But I do. There's something about you know the attitude and the openness of, of the young people in this industry uh, which excites me and it you know gives me hope um but yeah probably a sweeping generalization but I can I can think of examples with both the other thing and I actually heard um some some research which showed that actually during the pandemic this wasn't specific to the PR industry this was wider but the people that um are really suffering are the people in the sort of 35 to 42 age bracket um, which I think you know is kind of telling when we look at the leadership within the industry and the, the types of ages people are and perhaps you know the the challenges the pressure that we're feeling kind of hurtling into this this recession
1: mm. so yeah, yeah. <laughs> really, I think it's just really tough for everyone in different ways Yay. isn't it the way whatever yeah. whatever life stage you're at doing that suddenly at home and at work is a it's just really tough, and the, I mean, I guess the point here is—I mean, it, it's obviously the right thing to do, isn't it? Look after your people is is number one now. Absolutely. It's obviously the right thing to do to have proper mental health initiatives and a proper mental health program. But there are business benefits to taking your team's mental health seriously, and you touched on—you know—productivity and and success. What there's also there's talent recruitment and retention built into that as well. What 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 would you say the you know the hard business case is for taking mental health in the workplace seriously?
0: Oh, I mean, yeah, like like you said, there's less, less staff churn, um, so you're retaining staff for longer. You know, those staff are, are working at a more productive and efficient rate. Those people are going to go outside and actively endorse your business as a great place to work, which, you know, as we know, working within this industry is very, very important. It's very much about relationships. Um, But yeah, in terms of numbers, we know that companies with wellbeing strategies in place will outperform those that don't by 10%. So like I say, it's not just a moral conversation, it's an economic one as well, for sure.
1: And I, do, I wonder though, I mean, my concern about that is that whether in the kind of the current downturn this likely shift that's already underway from a, a seller's market as it has been for so long with the scarcity of talent, particularly in certain sectors of the industry, as that shifts to a buyer's market, as we've got more and more people um, uh, uh, being made redundant in terms of uh, talent, whether these sorts of initiatives will go by the wayside because people just want a
0: job. And what's your view on that? Mm. I mean it's a good question it's a concern right because times are tough we're seeing high rates of redundancy and furlough across the industry but I guess on the flip side the topics of humanity and morality have never been so high Mm. so um, I guess my hope is that two things will start to happen one companies will start to openly address their approach to inclusion and well-being but also, you know, when talent, when people enter those interviews, and I understand it will be scary because, they're, you, know, you know, the opportunities may feel few and far between and that sort of desperation for a job. But I hope that people will feel empowered to enter those interviews asking for diversity statistics. So, OK, tell me um, how many uh, BAME people work within the business and what levels are those people um, and understand, you know, how are sort of tackling issues like inclusion and, and mental health? I'd like to think people feel, will feel more and more empowered to do that. I, as I say, Rome wasn't built in a day, and I don't think this is something which will be a quick fix overnight, but I feel that we're certainly moving moving in the right direction. Um, and I think that these these points and these topics should no longer be a tick exercise, but something that we simply live and breathe as an industry. Mm. There's, there's also the, the
1: possibility of another mental health hit in the pandemic, which is this stress, possibly depression associated with redundancy um, more widely, or even the threat of it um, hanging over you. And also there's the, the aspect of survivor's guilt that sometimes comes of not being laid off while your, your friends and colleagues are. And what are your thoughts on that? I mean, that's, that's, that's another, it's just kind of layers now, isn't there, of, 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 of
0: challenge. Absolutely. And we need to be prepared for that because you're, you're absolutely right. So let's give mental health its rightful place on the agenda and hold ourselves accountable. Um, I think importantly, making sure that wellbeing strategies are aligned with people management policies. That's really, really important as well, because I think, as I say, for some, it's a tick box. And we can say, OK, we've got this strategy in place, we've got this programme in place. But what does that actually mean in the day to day running of your business? And then in terms of the way we look after our staff, you know, we, I think, lots of people did start doing this at the beginning of the pandemic, but it needs to, it needs to continue. So encouraging, encouraging teams to draw lines between work and home Mm. and empower them to do that, you know, regularly check in with them, ask how they are and be prepared to listen to the response. Um, Make sure that social activities are fully inclusive. And that's very, very important and something, you know, we should all be kind of breaking down and unpacking as we kind of look at our own businesses. And then simply um, encouraging movement and exercise. Um, It's just so important to get moving. Mm. Um, it It will make us feel better as human beings. And I think as businesses, if we can make sure that we're kind of giving people the tools to do that, checking in with them and kind of leading by example and showing them when we're doing the same, I think that's very important as well. The other thing I wanted to add was that during this period of uncertainty, there is a really important role for leaders to play. And as we, you know, as we kind of face the the worst recession that the UK has seen in centuries, leaders do have a responsibility to give their teams hope. Mm. Um, They need to be really authentic, um, be open and share plans where possible. Um, And while you might not be able to kind of outlay a a specific timeline for recovery perhaps you could suggest stages um, where you can sort of predict and celebrate when you get there i think that would really help because it will give employees a structure to follow and i think it's this the thing that that really is affecting many people at the moment is this is this you know role of uncertainty and this loss of control Um, so yeah, I think there's definitely a responsibility there just to keep this going. Let's not take our feet off the gas. It's it's incredibly important to to keep our our staff well and motivated.
1: Absolutely, and let's end on a positive note, Casey. What's giving you you know once we get through this current oh I don't know how to describe it without uh, using bad language through say situation. Um, yeah. what gives you what what gives you cause? for hope and optimism in terms of how mental health and wellbeing are now being approached
0: and evolving in the PR industry? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I guess what gives me hope is the fact that you and I are having this conversation right now um, that, you know, as an agency for the past 18 months, we've really opened up on this. Um, The way that we're approaching Black Lives Matter um, by learning, sharing, acting, holding ourselves accountable, making sure that we're going to be meeting Every single month to talk about the topic, I feel that we're in a position where we've we've kind of allowed ourselves to to change the narrative, Um, and you know the statistics to show how your business will perform better if you have a good well-being strategy in place, or if you have a diverse team. They're all well and good, but you know the narrative has changed now, and we're really focusing on humanity and morality. Mm. And I guess that gives me hope. That
1: gives me hope. That's a great note to end on. Thank you so much, Katie, for joining me. Um, Keep safe and look after yourself.
0: Thanks, Maya, you too. You've been listening to the Provoke podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers.